The Richard Case and Radio Network is brought to you by the Jolly Cone in Van Buren, Missouri. About to wrap up season number 70 since 1953. Home of the world-famous Jolly Burger, so call ahead to avoid the wait, 573-323-4318. The Richard Case and Radio Network remembers September 11th, 2001. We'll play the montage that we've played for the last couple of years. This is kind of a snapshot of how I remember September 11th and the days afterwards of me flipping through all the various channels and catching all the information. And then we'll have a flashback of our old producer, young Jared, and I talking about where we were on that day. And then I will return with commentary on where we are at 22 years later in the year 2023. But right now, let's go back to that day, September 11th, 2001. About halfway through the game, I'd pass out, and uh, it was a nightmare. Sounds like a great time. I wish I was there for those days. You know, uh, MSNBC has just flashed on my screen. It looks like there is a a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We got War- we got Warner on the phone, who's why he's looking at it right now. Warner, I'm in. What's the deal? Uh, I, something hit the World Trade Center. I think it was a plane. I heard it right over my head, and the explosion rocked the building. Really? And I'm looking at it right now. The smoke is just bellowing out of the World Trade Center. I mean, it's horrible. You can see the fire. You can see the smoke. I mean, it's a monster hole. You know, the World Trade Center. There's the Twin Towers, it's the one on the right. right. And it is, I mean, it's horrible. It is terrible. It's just black smoke, and, and on the left, you can see the fire. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it's a, I can see it on MSNBC here. The whole top of the building. There's a, a, a plane. Well, it looks like there is smoke coming from the side of the building. Oh, my God. It looks like something flew into the building. Yeah, I heard it. went right overhead. I was laying in bed, and I heard it. I said, boy, that plane sounds low. And then, boom, I mean, it was like a bomb. It's 8.52 here in New York. I'm Brian Dumble. We understand that there has been a plane crash on the uh, southern tip of Manhattan. You're looking at the uh, World Trade Center. We understand that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know anything more than that. We don't know if it was a commercial aircraft. We don't know if it was a private aircraft. We have no idea how many were on board or what is what the extent of the injuries are right now. Not appear that there's any kind of a, an effort up there yet. Now remember, oh my God. Oh my God. That looks like a second plane. Has just I did not see a plane go in. That- that just exploded. We I, just saw another plane coming saw, in from the side. You did. I did that was out of Yes, and that's view. the second explosion. You could see the plane come in just from the right-hand side of the screen. You're at, you're over in Chelsea. Um, did you hear the explosion oh, from yes. your position? Yes, we did. As a matter of fact, we we heard it and and because I was just like standing there, pretty much looking out the window. I didn't see what caused it or if there was an impact. So you have no idea right, right oh, now? Oh, there's another one. Another plane just hit. <gasps> right, oh, my gosh. Another plane has just hit. It hit another building. Flew right into the middle of it. Explosion. My God, it's right in the middle of the building. This one into the east tower. Yes. Yes. Right in the middle of the building. It, and right now, 
that yes, that was definitely looked like it was on purpose. You saw a yes, plane? Yes, I just saw a plane go into the building. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We're looking at a uh, live picture from Washington and there is smoke pouring out of the Pentagon. It would appear that there has been another major explosion, this one in the nation's capital. You are looking at a scene of uh, apparent blast aftermath. There is smoke in the air over the Pentagon. We don't know whether this is the result of a bomb or whether it is yet another aircraft that has targeted a um, symbol of the United States power but there is smoke pouring out of the Pentagon. Battle stations. Okay, I think we got it figured out finally. Yeah, it's Opie and Anthony. Hey. And uh, I guess we don't have to tell anyone, but we might as well, that uh, this is going to be a very different show today. Yeah. First of all, Anthony and I are not even in um, New York City. We're on the outskirts of New York City. We're out on uh, Long Island. We're out on Long Island. I uh, want to thank the fine folks of WLIR on Long Island. Got to give them a plug today because we're broadcasting from their studios. It's, it's just amazing because we all know someone that uh, that works in uh, the Twin Towers. And, uh, and you know, our thoughts go out to them and their families because... It's it's bad. I don't know. You know, you have that hope that you sit and you watch and go, hey, maybe after the first plane hit, a lot of people got out and maybe this, maybe that. Uh-uh. It just looks bad. It's too big to uh, not have uh, killed a lot of people. Let's just get back. Get back. You want them gone? Today we've had a national tragedy. Two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack on our country. I have spoken to the Vice President, to the Governor of New York, to the Director of the FBI, and I've ordered that the full resources of the federal government go to help the victims and their families and, the, and to conduct a full-scale investigation to hunt down and to find those folks who committed this act. I, I just want to uh, go through this, and again, uh, forgive me if this is more for me than, than it is for people watching. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but uh, I just I, I have to go through this. I'm, uh, the, the reason we were attacked, the reason these people are dead, the, these people are missing and dead, and they weren't doing anything wrong, they were living their lives, they were going to work, they were traveling, they were doing what they normally do. Uh, as I understand it, and, and my understanding of this is vague at best, uh, another smaller group of people stole some airplanes and crashed them into buildings. And, and we're told that they were uh, zealots uh, fueled by religious fervor, religious fervor. And if you live to be a thousand years old, will that make any sense to you? Will that make any damn sense? The cockpit's not answering. Somebody's stabbed in business class. And um, I think there's mates that we can't breathe. I, I don't know. I think we're getting hijacked. Is that American 11 trying to call? Buddy. We have some claims. Just stay quiet and you'll be okay. We're turning to the airport. And uh, who's trying to call me here? American 11, are you trying to call? Nobody moves. Everything will be okay. If you try to make any moves, you'll danger yourself and the airplane. Just stay quiet. Hey, can you look out your window right now? Yeah. Can you 
Can you see a guy at about 4,000 feet, about 5 east of the airport right now? Looks like he's... Yeah, I see him. You see a guy... Look, is he descending for the building also? He's descending really quick, too, yeah. Well, that's... Oh, he's 500 feet now. He just dropped 800 feet in like, a, like one, one sweep. That's, that's another situation. Who, what kind of airplane is that? Can you guys tell? I don't know. I'll read it out in a minute. Another one just hit the building. Wow. Wow. Another one just hit the worst side. The whole building just uh, came apart. Oh Holy smokes. And of course, just minutes later, that plane hits the ground in southern Pennsylvania in the town of Shanksville. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. I've directed the full resources of our intelligence and law enforcement communities to find those responsible and to bring them to justice. We will make no distinction between the terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. Tonight I ask for your prayers for all those who grieve, for the children whose worlds have been shattered, for all whose sense of safety and security has been threatened. And I pray they will be comforted by a power greater than any of us, spoken through the ages in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Rescue teams are working round the clock in the rubble of the World Trade Towers, risking their lives, trying to find victims of the disaster. President Bush said the attacks were not just acts of terror, they were acts of war, a war he vowed we will win. New polls indicate there is widespread American public support for retaliation. Congress reconvened today in a public show of unity to condemn the attack on the United States. Air travel was grounded for a second day as airlines prepared to resume some flying under strict new security. The U.S. financial markets were closed again, but the United States and our allies vowed that these acts of terror will not destabilize the world economy. Federal investigators are following hundreds of leads tonight to try to find out who was behind the attacks and bring them to justice. Now, just a few moments ago, Donald Trump passed through here, so we had a minute to talk with him. Let's roll that tape. You can see what he had to say. Well, I've never seen anything like it. I've seen two huge 110-story buildings that are reduced to rubble, uh, thousands and thousands of lives. I just got to see something that I've never seen before. I have hundreds of men inside working right now, and we're bringing down another 125 in a little while, and they've never done work like this before. And they're hardworking people, but they've never seen anything like it, and they've never, they've never done work like this before. It's terrible. Not only is it devastation, but it's very dangerous, because every few minutes a whistle would go off and everybody would just run, because you have all the buildings around it, which are in such a weakened state that people just don't know. And so they just have to take off, and then they come back, and they're working under 50-story buildings that you don't know if, gonna, if they're going to fall down. So it's a terrible thing for the workers, and it's a terrible thing for the world, really. But they've never seen bodies like this. I mean, the bodies all over. The uh, I mean, the, the great thing is when they find somebody that's alive, like the five firemen that they just found a little while ago. So that's the great thing, and that's what they're all striving for. But generally speaking, that's not what the case. That's not the case. So they are working very very hard but it's it's a very depressing situation for these folks you can't give up hope because there's always hope i mean the five men i'm sure their families thought that they probably were gone and now they walk in the door a couple of them walked away after they were dug out so 
there probably are some more people in there, and therefore you can't give up hope. It's like a whole different skyline. It's like a whole different city and world. Uh, I cannot believe the sight of Lower Manhattan without the World Trade Center, and therefore we have to rebuild, not necessarily in that form, but we have to rebuild uh, at least as good and maybe better. So for those of us who actually remember that day, that's just a little stroll down the darker side of memory lane. Uh, there's a whole generation now of people who do not have any real firsthand knowledge of that. Jared, that montage, um, obviously you were, what did you say, you were three? I was three. Wait, all right. Now... Any of those news clips as part of that montage? Have you heard that in the past? Have any of that ring familiar? Uh, I'm sure I heard some about it in high school when we learned in high school, but I've been out of high school for about four years, and, and it's, it's been a little bit. slept since then, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, the famous uh, Bush bullhorn speech there toward the end where, I don't know if you could hear it, they, New Yorkers, they, I guess, felt comfortable enough to just call him George because there was one guy, you heard him go, George, we can't hear you. And and I don't know, obviously that guy didn't know this, but he he didn't realize that he was setting Bush up for probably the best line of his whole presidency. I can hear you. And soon the people that knock these buildings down are are going to hear all of us. And then the next day we because that was, I guess, September 13th. It was a couple of days uh, after what you heard there. That was September 11th and the aftermath. But once we regrouped and once we shook off that dust, we 
We kicked ours, and we didn't care about names. We didn't care. We wanted blood. Um, so you're, you're three years old, Jared. Do you, did you hear the story or from your mom? Like, were you at daycare or something that day? Any secondhand accounts of where you were at mm-hmm. when it happened? Yeah, my mom was at work, and I was actually at home with my father. He was, he doesn't have, he, he, I think he worked evenings or something. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was watching me while my mom was at work and he said that I was in the floor playing with my cars, you know, like, like kids do right. playing with my toys. And he, he was watching this, had it on the TV. And he said that I could sense that something was wrong. And I stopped playing with my toys and got up and sat on his lap and watched with him. Hmm. Now that's all that they have told me. I don't remember, you know, anything from that day. I don't, don't know, um, much of what was happening um but i i knew something was wrong based on how he saw my body language so you were at home the news was on already Mm -hmm. and when it happened you just stopped and went to dad Mm -hmm. i guess probably you know how kids can sense if if you're angry or if you're sad or something so i guess i probably sensed that he was in awe and i was like something must be happening well, I'll bore the audience for the 19th year in a row about because in various podcasts and radio shows that I've done in the past, whether it's classic rock or country or now this, I'll, I'll recount the tale one more time. I guess you got to go back to September 10th. I think I may have been out drinking that night. Can't remember. Again, it was 20 years ago. I was, well, I'm 20, or I'm 43 now, so I must have been about 23 back then. I got home that night and must have passed out in the recliner there in the living room of my apartment, which was directly behind KFES 12 in Cape Girardeau. Fell asleep in the recliner, and I must have had MSNBC on overnight back when it was almost worth watching because I miss in the morning. That was the clip that you heard at the beginning of that montage and that's what was on whenever I woke up. Now it's interesting to note that there's a lot of wrinkles to the story or the pre-story of 9-11 that have gone by the wayside. And another thing you got to remember on September 10th there were three big news stories that had nothing to do with terror. It was amazing, Jared. We didn't know about Islam really. We, terrorism was not even a thing really for us. We'd never, other than Oklahoma City and an attempt on the World Trade Center, these were isolated incidents that, I'm well, Oklahoma, that was, that, you know, no two ways about that. That happened and that was devastating, but it, it was still an isolated incident. And it, and it was homegrown. It wasn't from some unknown foreign force. But September 10th, there were three big news stories. The one was missing congressional intern Chandra Levy. Uh, As I recall, congressman from California, Gary Condit, having an affair with his intern. She comes up missing. Naturally, he's the prime suspect. Later, he's exonerated, found to have nothing to do with the the, uh, missing uh, whatsoever. And a few years later, her body turned up. She was an unfortunate uh, murder victim. But we didn't know that at the time. This was years after the fact. You had that story. You had stem cell research because George Bush, even though he was uh, Christian and trying to look at things from a uh, 
uh, right-to-life perspective, these stem cells that were in these laboratories were already there. Um, so he thought that best to go ahead and move forward with the research to see what could happen. And as we know, stem cell research, it's, it's not a cure-all, but it definitely um, you know, can lead to better things. And it has certain regenerative, regenerative properties if uh, used right. And the third story in the news at that time was drunk airline pilots. It, w- it was becoming a problem. Enough of a problem that it was leading enough top-of-the-hour radio newscast back then. Eastern Airlines, well, no, they weren't around back then, but the Delta Airlines and United Airlines, you know, having to have seminars about drinking before flying with their... Ca- so when those are the big stories at the time, and then when you're me, and it's, I guess, 7.46 Central Time, and I wake up, and MSNBC is already on, and I see the video of this first plane hitting the World Trade Center, honest to God, my first reaction was, we got to do something about these drunk pilots. That's nuts. That's crazy. Uh, well, I was wrong. That was not a drunk pilot, at least not drunk on alcohol. This was a pilot of the radical Islamic variety that was drunk on religious zealotry. And then I heard a knock at the front door. Again, I'm I'm watching TV. I'm half passed out in my recliner chair. I hear, Hey, Richie, wake up. We're being attacked. And I thought, Cape Girardeau's being attacked. What's going on? What is it? What do you mean? My and now he's a St. Charles police officer. Uh, Scooter, that's his nickname. Scooter's knocking on my door. Richie, wake up! We're being attacked. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And that's when I saw live the second plane hit, and I knew right then. I I mean, in in being a, a news guy previously and having already been in the radio business for a few years. The before they even reported it, before they even said it, Osama bin Laden. I knew it. Didn't know much about the guy. Didn't really know about his history, but I'd reported on him before, and he had pulled this type of thing or had, had attempted to. That was the first name that I thought of, and I just you know normally I would go through my routine of. Uh, making my rounds, checking the mail, walking down the street just just to get some air. Um, I wasn't doing that. Nobody was doing that. Cape Girardeau, population 35,000, was a ghost town. Broadway, usually the most congested street in that city, dead. Every, I mean, everybody was home. And... You know that the event was significant enough because most of, I had cable at the time, most of the channels just went off the air. They weren't knocked off the air, like in the case of, say, an ESPN or something. They just went into news mode. Uh, CNBC, any of the financial, if, if they were already in like a news vein, they ditched out of their regular format and went 9-11 coverage. Uh, channels like, say, Nick Jr., off. QVC, off. Home Shopping, off. Lifetime, off. 
They just put a thing on the screen. Due to recent events, we are not broadcasting. Lifetime. QVC. Uh, you knew it was bad. And then later that day, because I still had a show to do, I still had to get, to, I was doing the classic rock thing at KGMO at the time. And uh, it was it was just strange. I took my gun to work that day. I mean, I, nobody knew what the hell was going on. I had a thirty-two pistol at the time, 10 rounds in the clip. I had it in my inside jacket pocket. Nobody knew the wiser. Because you had gas lines at the gas pumps. We, we didn't know what sort of chaos was going to break out. We had these gas lines. They were marking gas up to like four ninety five and $6 a gallon. And the attorney general had to say, hey, this is price gouging. You can't do that. It was, it was such an odd day. I, I shot pool that night, oddly enough, with a Kuwaiti guy. Who, if you, I don't even remember his name, but they're at the bar that I was probably at the night before. There I was that night. And just at first glance, you know, typical Arabic looking guy, you would have thought, hey, he looks just like one of the hijackers, but we're shooting pool. And he says, I think that happened today, buddy. That was, that's bad. That's, that's very bad. He was sincere. Um, and things have never been the same at all like jared he was three when it happened so he doesn't know a time when there wasn't heavier surveillance he doesn't know a time when like we were talking off the air when you had to literally almost strip just to get on a stupid airplane there's so many restrictions now that we have just sort of accepted in the name of security the types of restrictions in the case of Jared, he's just grown up with. That's all he knows. But I knew when that second plane hit, I knew this was Osama bin Laden, and I knew we were at war, and I knew that things were never going to be the same again. I knew that while vengeance must be had, I knew that this would be used as a way to govern people more effectively. Much like the way we see something else being used to govern people right now. And I'll tell you, listening to that montage again, uh, Jared, he, he doesn't remember any of it firsthand. For me, it's just like, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. And I never not get mad about it. it. It like refuels my anger for the whole year. It's like, oh yeah. Because it changed me too. I, I was, you know, once upon a time, I, I had that socialist streak in me. I'm a one-time Obama voter. I voted for Bush. You know, after eight years, uh, I bought the whole hope and change thing. You, you try Obama out during the primaries, then you start working in news in Illinois, and then you start knowing what Obama's really about, and you start really getting hip to things like media bias and this sort of thing. So I know about that side of it. Why do you think I come on here so passionately and rail about the stuff I rail about every week? Don't you think that comes from an honest place? 
And 20 years later, I am still just as angry about this. And I've had to live with it. And the consequences, I mean, they're too numerous to count. All sorts of changes. Just a dark pall over the country. And and we got to be more sensitive to Muslims now. And we have to tiptoe around their customs. And I know we're running along. It's fine. No one's listening anyway. Um, I've done the research. Um, and here we are, 20 years later. About three weeks ago. You know, like I said, a couple of days after 9-11, we went into Afghanistan. We destroyed every living thing so that it couldn't be used as a base for terror. Three weeks ago, what does slow Taliban do? He gives it right back to the people we took it from without any conditions at all. Joe Biden is a stupid SOB. And if I had more money in the bank and was more secure of this show's future, I'd just come right out and say it. And as we'll explore later on in the show, now you got refugees coming over, and I'm not against refugees necessarily. If people are in a crap hole country and they don't want to live there, and they're, if they're being politically oppressed, and if there's absolutely no other escape, I don't know why the United States always has to be the refugee haven of the world, but... Well, we were there for 20 years. Maybe there is a little bit of a responsibility to take some in. I don't know about that. Maybe so. But again, that is that should come with conditions also. As I understand it, we're taking in about 30,000 refugees, 10,000 of them up in St. Louis. Between the Bosnians from the Balkans breaking up way back when, and now... The 10,000 Afghan refugees that are coming into St. Louis. St. Louis is becoming quite the Muslim stronghold. Which, if that's what they want. But I would, and, and maybe they're just listening through the radio right now. Dialing, dialing through the AM dial and oh, let's see what's out there. And they're going through, they don't. They don't like KMOX. They don't like KFTK. They scroll up and, oh, and they land on 1240, and maybe they're hearing my voice right now. So if you are hearing me right now, a message to our newly arrived Afghan neighbors, you best be peaceful, God-fearing individuals who really are seeking refuge from a hostile nation. That just better be the case, because if you, after what we just heard, and after what we've commemorated, and that loss of life, plus the loss of life going in there and trying to make something of that dump, and then the way we pulled out the past few weeks and then had to lose 13 more lives just because Joe Biden's an idiot, on top of all that, if you're not peaceful and God-fearing, truly seeking refuge, and if you sneak into this country and think you're going to open up Taliban franchises all over America, I have this message. Do not test us. Jason. 
The best pillow ever just got better. Introducing MyPillow 2.0. That's right, the all-new MyPillow 2.0 is improved in the only way you could make the MyPillow better, with temperature-regulating technology. The MyPillow company actually did temperature tests to prove that the MyPillow 2.0 has earned the title of the best pillow ever. Polyester is not a good material for staying cool. Cotton isn't much better. The temperature cooling fabric in the MyPillow 2.0 keeps your MyPillow 2.0 cool, giving you the best sleep of your life. Buy one, get one free at MyPillow.com slash Use the promo code Kason, C-A-S-O-N. In the highly unlikely event that you're not happy with the MyPillow 2.0, you get a 60-day money-back guarantee. The MyPillow 2.0 is backed by a 10-year warranty, and it's made right here in the USA. Just go to MyPillow.com slash use the promo code Kason to buy one MyPillow 2.0, get another MyPillow 2.0 absolutely free. Visit MyPillow.com. Remember when it was okay to laugh? Remember when you wouldn't go to jail for making a joke? In these politically correct times, America's last laugh is Flip City Magazine. That's right, Flip City Magazine. Flip City is an actual physical magazine sent to your home every other month, and it's filled with outright ridicule of the weak and woke so-called progressive agenda. Some of the best artists and funniest writers in America are making it happen at Flip City. If you don't laugh out loud when you read Flip City Magazine, there is something seriously wrong with you. Just go to flipcitymag.com slash and use the promo code Kason, C-A-S-O-N, to save 10% on your subscription. Want to stay digital? Get six issues sent to your email for just $29.98. Save 10% when you use the promo code Kason. Want something you can actually put on your coffee table for when company comes over? Get six issues sent directly to you by your woke postal service worker for just $49.98. Save 10% when you use the promo code Kason. Go to flipcitymag.com slash and use the promo code Kason today. We now return to the year 2023, September 11th, here on the Richard Case and Radio Network. Only going to be doing the hour this week. I have overextended myself the dark light, the changes that had to be made to it have been time-consuming, and then you make the change, and then you go back to review it, and then you see that there's one more sliver of a frame that's got to be cut out. you got to fix the closing credit sequence. There's a fade to white that didn't exactly go to white all the way, so you got to fix that. Things like that. I think they're fixed. And if it's fixed, then finally my, yes, anti-Freemason, anti-Shriner, anti-Eastern Star, faith-based horror documentary, The Dark Light, will be available on Rumble. And Frank's speech, and that's probably about it. This is always a weird time of the year, not just because of September 11th, but because I, you know, a couple weeks ago just felt like, you know, that was such a heavy show that I had to 
make that one available. Give people a taste of what being in the Dollar Club is like, and then, of course, free preview week with the uh, replay of the Radiothon to end political correctness. We got a few more subscribers from that. And the 9-11 show here, since I'm only doing an hour this week, going ahead and making that available across all the platforms as well. So, 22 years after the fact. After the supposed, alleged, reported hijacking of these planes. and You know, I... Uh, among the things I refer to myself as tongue-in-cheek, the gold standard, the enema of the people, the one-man hate group, you know, they start to become a little more true. Things like the renegade visionary, but also the last holdout. I was the last one. When everyone else had gone on to reach the conclusion that we haven't been given the straight story about 9-11, after hearing some of that talk and, and then rejecting it because, well, it had to be terrorists. No one else hated us that bad to do it, so... And 22 years ago, that was completely plausible. But in light of in light of recent events of the past three to seven years, it's really caused me to rethink the entire 9/11 premise. And I have reached a point with the 9/11 thing. The point that I've reached is that. This is my opinion. The only thing real about 9-11 was the deaths and the victims and the families who lost loved ones. That's it. We don't know why. We've been told who. We've been told why. We've been told how. But 22 years in, are you buying it? I'm not. I honestly think that terrorism was used as a cover for the controlled demolition of the Twin Towers. I, I've seen the video a thousand times of the, of the towers coming down. I've seen the plumes and the puffs of smoke, the in the specific parts of the building where the charges were set. Because it was a controlled demolition. 
I believe, having having had 22 years to think about this, having jumped through all kinds of mental hoops, girlfriends, jobs, presidents, cars, locations, gone through a lot of changes in that time, had a lot of time to think about it. And it really seems like at this point, if you just, like I said in the montage, I knew on that day on 9-11 that things would never be the same. And they haven't been. Things have never been the same since. And it's unfortunate because, like I was saying, Jared doesn't know a time, our old producer, he doesn't know a time when things were less restrictive. My niece and nephew's children will never know a time when things were less restrictive. But I believe that 9-11 was the pull that brought down the whole tent. I mean, looking back, when Andy Card comes in that day, whispers in Bush's ear, and he just sits there, you know, when he... There's all the clips of, we just never would have thought in a million years it would have been planes into a building. And everyone said that. We never would have thought in a million years yet. That's a standard contingency plan and a standard scenario that skyscraper construction takes into account when they are constructing a skyscraper. And you gotta you gotta understand at the time Bush was the only thing we had. We had just gotten through the Bush Gore debacle. And I guess like it or not, Gore was the legitimate winner of that one, but because of the butterfly ballot, uh Bush was able to pull that one out. You can't get fifteen million people to revote. They've already cast their vote, so he wins by a technicality, and and we just had that put behind us. There's already an air of illegitimacy over Bush anyway. Well, then this happens, and for a little while, we pull together, we're singing songs, and we get behind the president, because that's what you do in times of war, and we wanted to go seek retribution against our enemies, and blah, blah, blah. Well, looking back, and maybe I've just grown more cynical over the years, but looking back, it seems like so much bad acting, especially from Bush. I'll bet you he had the hardest... He he looked like... If, if you really look 
at some of the more tense days following 9-11 when he had to step up and be the president for reals? It looked like that he was just one smart-ass remark and he was going to crack, like into laughter. Like he knew something we didn't know. And because he's a sociopath, he was able to convert that into sympathy and then broadcast that. It's a shame that the best line of his whole presidency, where he's there at the rubble, at Ground Zero in New York, a couple days after 9-11, all the people are there, and he's got you know the megaphone, and, Hey, George, we can't hear you. I can hear you. And soon the people that knocked these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Huge pop. Total improvise. And the shame of it is, it's too bad he wasn't sincere. He knew he had to say something, and in that moment he said the right thing, but did he mean it? Look at just what we're going through today as a result of 9-11. Heavier surveillance. We've gotten more restrictive. Oh, and by the way, by the way, as I, I said in the montage, if I had more money in the bank and, and was more secure in my standing, I would be more honest about how I feel about Biden three years after the fact. Joe Biden is a senile, stupid son of a bitch. No SOB. He's a son of a bitch. I wish he would slip on that bar of zest once and for all. Break the hip. There's just so many inconsistencies with the story of 9-11. I'm not a Michael Moore fan, but I guess I'm going to have to stomach Fahrenheit 9-11 and just block out of my brain that this is a Michael Moore production. And at least try to scrape some information from the sides of the bowl if I can. How tight were the Bushes and the Saudi royal family? Why were the Bushes covering the Saudi royal family's ass post 9-11? What was the Saudi royal family's involvement with funding 9-11? And what was the motive for doing it? Just some of the inconsistencies that, well, I mean, it always, even back then when I was watching it, 
And when it first came to my mind, yeah, it's probably Osama bin Laden, only because I had reported his name a couple of other times in news stories. It's a name that came across the wire. When I said, yeah, I knew it was bin Laden, I guess to be more accurate, I knew that he was going to be the one that they would name. And I was right. And he's most likely part of it, but was he the mastermind of it? Who's to say? But it always looked like a controlled demolition. There were too many reports from too many reporters, eyewitnesses, cops, and firefighters all day long saying they heard bombs, they heard explosions. They were bringing in people and dressing them up as ordinary citizens to push the narrative. No, that was just the floors collapsing under the weight of melted steel. And like building number seven, it supposedly burnt because some debris from the first two twin towers landed on it, caught on fire, and it collapsed underneath. Bullshit. No. Steel melts at a temperature of about 3,000 degrees. By all accounts, the fires of the Twin Towers did not approach that temperature. And even still, fire and heat rises. Yeah, it might collapse the floors that are above it. From where the plane landed to the floors above it, yeah, it'll catch them on fire. It's not going to bring a building down from underneath. It's just not going to do that. We got lied to, okay? Damn it. That isn't what happened. It was controlled demolition. Here's a question. So the chief of the uh, interstate intelligence, that's Pakistan's, Intelligence service wired a hundred thousand dollars to Muhammad Atta, the main organizer of the terrorists, they claim. Why was the chief of the Pakistani ISI in Washington on 9-11-2001? Would anyone like to explain that? Why was he here? What was he doing here? CNN confirms this. This was a story written by Dana Bash. She's still f***ing there, by the way. A former landlord. (laughs) This kind of sounds like January 6th, the Ray Epps a little bit. In fact, Ray Epps may be this guy. A former landlord of two of the 9-11 hijackers was an FBI informant. So were the hijackers, if that is indeed what they were, were they trained, funded, and protected here? 
Did you know that between September 2000 and June 2001, U.S. fighter planes intercepted errant aircraft 67 times? It is routine when aircraft goes off course and starts to look suspicious. Within 10 minutes, it's intercepted by U.S. fighter planes. Happens fairly frequently. Did it happen on the morning of 9-11? No, it did not. Hmm. Why? Why? For that matter, why <laughs> was the U.S. military conducting war games on the morning of 9-11, which consisted of hijacked airliners flying into buildings and how to intercept those airliners? Mm-hmm. And in case you were curious, you know, here's some examples of buildings that caught fire and didn't collapse. February 3rd, 1991, the 38-story Meridian Plaza, one Meridian Plaza in Philadelphia, 38 stories tall, burned for over 18 hours, over eight floors, didn't collapse. Um, October 17th, 2004, a couple of years after 9-11. Here's a 56-story skyscraper built in 1976, burnt for hours, and it didn't collapse. And in fact, the North Tower of the World Trade Center back in the 70s had a huge fire. A kitchen fire or something to that effect. Took several hours to put out. Severely damaging, according to the news report. That was back in 1973. So you got a building in Philadelphia that burned for hours, didn't collapse. You got a building in Venezuela that burned for hours, didn't collapse. Yet... On September 11th, 2001, two buildings burned for 56 minutes and then just... 56 minutes, that's all it took to burn or melt the steel of two buildings that... Horse shit! Horse shit. Nine eleven. Like I said, was the pole that brought down the tent. Because what were they able to do post 9-11? Why, they imposed the Patriot Act on us. And now that, at least for the moment, Islamic terror isn't as much of a threat, at least it's not being reported as a threat. It'll probably rear its head at any time, but the official story is that radical fundamentalist Islamic terror has been brought under control, and now the focus of the Department of Homeland Security and the CIA and the FBI is shifting to a more 
domestic terror threat. And who were the domestic terrorists? Well, I guess that depends on what you say and who you voted for. If you tow the communist, Marxist, socialist, progressive, transsexual, pedophile, Democrat line, you're in the clear. But if you question the tactics of this so-called administration, if you state clearly that January 6th was a false flag operation, and if you state without reservation that you support Donald Trump, then in the eyes of this government and in many parts of the society, you are the domestic terrorist. And we see how they're treating Trump. And we see how afraid of him they are. And we see the links that they will go to try to make sure that he is neutralized one way or another. Props to Governor Yunkin in Virginia for pardoning that father who was fit to be tied the night of that school board meeting where they denied helping the tranny rape his daughter, basically, and where the five thug Renicops jumped him. He has been pardoned. But 9-11 clearly was the beginning of what has brought us to this point right now. To get us used to it. The restrictions, the heightened awareness, the tighter control, the bigger government. Get us used to words like disinformation and misinformation. And if you misreport on 9-11, that's misinformation. And if you think the election was stolen, that's disinformation. And nine eleven happened so that they could years later drop COVID on us. So they could drop a vaccine on us. So they could scare you. So they could keep you home. So they could make you vote by mail to make it a little easier for them to cheat. So that they could outrage you and draw you out to protest and then hijack that protest and call you a domestic terrorist. And we're going to have to push back on all this shit. All right, folks. That's going to do it for this week. I will catch you next week at full strength. Don't you go changing. I'm Richard Kaysen. That's how I can do it. Follow that.